0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Live and ready to talk about Arsenal versus PSV. Where's Matt, Johnny? Where's Matt?
0: Currently boarding a flight. Flaking I believe. Out. Yeah, wondering Flaking if he out. gets some, you know, salted peanuts with his flight, a complimentary. That's that's what's on his mind right now. He's not. He's not. He's not watching Arsenal. He's not caring about. Him. Well, I'll give him. He will care about Arsenal. But he's not watching Arsenal. He's worried about what what flight snacks he can get.
1: He listened to all of the pre-match narrative about people taking a rest for PSV and he thought that that was inclusive of him. Disgraceful. <laughs> Absolutely disgraceful. Arsenal have earned him some recreational time. Yes, <laughs> and we're like, like no. no, 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 no. You've got to be on these podcasts. You've got to be <laughs> on these podcasts. Um,
0: Johnny, how do you feel about topping the group? Yeah, mate. Great. But the difference is you could have asked me that, what, a week or two ago? So the fact is, is I thought that us topping the group was going to mean that this game was going to be handled differently. Lots to talk about anyway. I'm sure we'll get involved in that. But yeah, you know, um, the main thing that we come away from is, <clears throat> ultimately, do we have anyone injured? There are, but we'll, again, we'll get onto that. We'll get
1: well. on to it. We'll get on to it. All right. Good morning and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I am joined on this European
0: Tuesday evening by Johnny Cochran. How you doing, Johnny? Yeah, mate, you know, um, it's actually quite an interesting game, considering it was a dead rubber. I definitely think there are things to talk about, think about, um, you know, and potentially to be a little concerned about when it comes to Arteta's makeup and, you know, how he approaches different situations. But you know, um, considering it was a game that didn't mean nothing, I certainly think there are a few, um, yeah, conversation points to that have been drawn from it. Yeah, I'd agree with you. It was a
1: um, bit of a bit of a weird game, dead rubber game taken seriously for absolutely no reason at all. Um, people are already saying in the comments that a Pete Arteta rotation meltdown is about to happen. You are absolutely. Correct untold football, absolutely correct. Um, I'm not mucking around today, Johnny. Um, let's get into it. Hottest, it's of, takes. Takes. hottest of takes, hottest of takes, the AOP, hottest of takes. Make it spicy, Johnny. On a fair, on a fairly tepid evening, how can you uh take the spice levels to level nine? Uh, with your hottest of takes,
0: well, my hottest of takes is the. Uh, Arteta is rightfully getting the praise he deserves for serious advancements in the way that our mentality has shifted. He's changed the culture around the club. The players have completely bought in. We're seeing far better football than we've had, than we've seen in a decade more. You know, um, it's right to give him the flowers he deserves. But there is, there is, because I think there's becoming it's becoming increasingly clear that Arteta does have blind spots and he does have weaknesses in the whole sphere that makes up being a manager. And that is squad management, in my opinion. Because when we got through top of the group, the reason why I'm like, let's go hard, let's go for it, is because this game meant nothing. It meant nothing. And so I want to be seeing players pulling on the Arsenal jersey who I don't even know where they are. I need to go and Google them. That, that's, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm talking about right now. Oh, Arsenal lost 5-0 away from PSV. Don't care. Don't care. Irrelevant. Couple of kids that a run around. Great. You know, no one's paying attention. Let's crack on. Big players get a week off. And I don't know what it is about him. And there is a caveat, but we're going to get into this anyway. So um, the, the only part I'd kind of defend him on. But in general, the way he uses some of his most important players, I would say is at best reckless, at worst, you know, just ridiculously crazy. So, um, yeah, I think that despite the fact that our manager is having a fantastic season, this still remains, his squad management still remains a stick to beat him with. That's my hardest of takes. Yeah, I'd agree with that. We've got um, Matthew D'Souza saying fans need to stop being armchair
1: physios and sports medicine experts. Listen, I will tell you, every single sports expert in the world would have said, "Do not play William Saliba tonight." How many more cases of Arteta breaking players or our seasons finishing flat and fatigue do we need to see before we can say, "Hey, listen, I've 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 spent twenty minutes on Google looking up what they do in sports science, and I don't think." relentlessly playing your favourite players over and over again, even in games that don't matter, is going to hurt you. We've been hurt by Thomas Partey, injured twice in training. Tommy Yasu, who has had a three-season consistent record of breaking down because he's overplayed, has what? He's just broken down. Gabby Jesus injured. Erdegaard injured. Ben White getting those tight hamstrings early this season. These are the acts of a manager that gets too excited and treats each game um, as an individual match rather than looking more broadly um, at the at, at the bigger picture. And nothing summed it up better than tonight because I'm, I'm not even going to have a separate hottest of takes. You could have left all of those players at home. You could have taken the under-15s out there. We could have been beaten 10-0. I could have seen a player vomit on the pitch because he was so nervous because he's so young. And it wouldn't have mattered. It wouldn't have mattered a jot. And I, I do think if you... You step back and look at the lineup. You've got Rule Waters, who is like a preseason favorite. We've seen him in 2 preseasons. he He's gone to America twice. He's played games. Everybody purrs over him. And then when you get an opportunity to play him in a Champions League game, you pick Cedric Suarez, a player we've been trying to get rid of for literally years. I just, I, I don't understand uh, the mindset of it. And I, actually, I do. I, here's the thing. I do understand the mindset. He is... Um, for a uh, for a manager who is swimming in data sometimes he's extremely emotional about certain things that he does and there are two things that well there's one belief that he has if you want to be a top top player you have to be better than fatigue you have to be better than injuries you have to play 70 games a season and it doesn't it, it, you know and to to the normal fan that sounds like ah oh, arteta He's so strong. He's so tough. Um, he's so, he's you know, this is pure elite mentality. But fatigue doesn't care what you think. Fatigue will always catch up with you in the end. And we have had at least three seasons now with Arteta where our season has broken down because players that should be wrapped in cotton wool are not wrapped in cotton wool. And tonight is just peak Mikel Arteta. He wants everybody on, uh, on the plane. He wants everybody to be taking uh, a non-competitive game extremely competitively. And we'll pay the cost like we did last season. And it's disappointing, really disappointing.
0: Well, that kind of brings us into our first subject anyway. Risking it all for and for what, eh? But Pete, I I think this is a good opportunity to let's at least talk, you know, there's no point in us just ganging together and, uh, you know, agreeing. Let's look at some of the arguments for. So some of the ones that I've heard out there are, you know, ultimately Arteta, um, may have seen in the past when we lose momentum, whether even if it's losing games that don't ultimately matter, you know, you get beat in the Carling in the Carabao Cup, and we might not care, but all of a sudden we're losing in the Premier League. Um so momentum is certainly an argument. Like we don't want to be going out there getting walloped after we've just been beaten by Villa in you know frustrating fashion, but we were beaten. We've suddenly run a two-game losing skid. So that's one argument. The other one being um I've heard is it's even two and a half million pounds when it comes to winning the game. And of course, the football club don't need that cash to be able to, you know, spend. But in terms of FFP balancing, it's an extra bit of money that we will be able to spend on our team. You know, I can I can understand the the logic there at least. Um and then yeah, finally I think it's Oh, well, we can't have some players coming through and starting, um, you know, some of them, young players playing out of position without having at least a core to help them through the game. So those are some of the points, the counterpoints out there. What, what are you making of those?
1: I don't think, well, so the on, on the prize money, it's like, come on. Come on guys. I, I I just I just don't think football managers are sitting there thinking about the balance sheet. That's like a that's like a commercial driver. Like we've got one of the I think we've got one of the richest sports franchise owners on the planet. I don't think that he's thanking Arteta for getting that 2.8 million. And the the counterpoint to that would be, well, getting that 2.8 million if it costs us Saliba in February, that you know, losing Saliba jeopardizes our title push and it jeopardizes our ability to move forward in the champions league so i don't i don't really buy that and i i think the the argument about momentum i think it applies more to fans than players you know like i don't think players that was staying at home tonight, if they watched the kids lose 3-0, I don't think they, they I don't think they're affected by that. I don't I don't think players are affected by losses as badly as we think they are. I think they shake them off. That's what they're trained to do. The reason that I can't be a professional footballer um outside about 50 things is that if I make a bad mistake, I'll I will think about that mistake for the next five years. If I let the ball go through my legs, I'm thinking about that um uh, as a as a thirty nine year old um when I made the mistake at twelve. These pros, they're they're trained to shake it off. Um, They get it out of the system and they move on. I think that rewarding players with an early night watching Love Island and going into the Brighton game and the Liverpool game with a little bit more energy, I think that that is more beneficial. Than what they did tonight, like we put them on a plane for no reason. I know it's only a short plane journey. We put them on a pitch and risk them for no reason. I just it it just felt like. Um, have you seen that meme where people are like, "What would you take? Ten million dollars or one evening with Jay Z explaining how to be a good en- entrepreneur?" And those guys are like, "I take the meeting with Jay Z." It kind of felt like the that we were handed the opportunity to rest players tonight, and the alternative was. Um, being together and showing that we could win with firing our tummies, as Arteta said before the game. And it's like, one is one is an obvious win and one is is, is chest-dumping for the sake of chest-dumping. And Arteta chose the chest-dumping tonight and I just worry that we're going to pay for it. I mean, William Saliba broke down last year because of a stress fracture. A stress, stress, too much load on a young body. Um, once again, how many games has he missed this season? I mean, it's painful. It's really painful viewing.
0: I, I think, you know, the comment on here from SurfVex uh kind of highlights a little bit where I'd go with it. Um, I definitely think Saliba is the most egregious one. He's just too important. You can't be taking punts with him. Like, very happy to see Declan Rice not playing, you know, at the start of the game, not starting, I should say. Um, but, you know, Saliba, he just plays every single game. If you can't rest him in this game, I don't know what's going on. And people are like, well, who would you play? Well, Kivy goes go central straight away. I don't really care. Even even the likes of Ben White, if you had to play someone, I would play Ben White over, um, you know, Saliba. Because Ben White's had a few games out when Tommy Asu was playing and whatnot. Saliba plays every minute. And it's crazy because you've got a player who, quite frankly, is, is so important. But it leads me on to the other little caveat, right? Where I will give Arteta a little bit of slack on, and that is, and people are going to might find this a bit weird because it might have felt like the the most um, alarming um, move. But when he played Declan Rice as centre half, I actually it was half an hour at the end, and I actually will give him a little bit of a pass for that in my opinion because. We're, some. there are some things that happen in football out of your control. People get injured at different times. You need to know what options are available to you. And simply put, how are you ever going to know what is available to you if you never give it a chance? And what better game to do it than a game that doesn't even matter if it goes horrendously wrong and we lose loads? You know, if he was trialling Declan Rice in a key FA Cup game or something like that, the fans would be like, what's going on? So I... I don't mind the fact that there was a little bit of experimentation if it provided him answers that he felt like he needed, you know, he might need to know over the course of a whole season. But in general, like, again, the Saliba one just felt like an absolute liberty, much like Jesus coming on at the end of the game. What are you doing? What, you just, it's like you're trying to rub it in, you know? That's, it, that's did, just... it did feel like it. it, 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 it I, I agree with you. It felt like um, it,
1: it, he was rubbing it in. And... um it's it, it's just um, it's just frustrating. I see some of these comments here, and it's like uh, I hear like we got uh, Tomek, um Bethel. I hear your argument, but it's also great for club identity, uh, the crest, if you will, to be a club that wins regardless. I don't agree. I honestly don't agree. I think you know what's good for the club crest is having a fit squad that can compete for trophies at the end of the season. No one will look back on this w- draw at the end of the season, if Saliba is out, people will point to this game and say, that was, that was a silly decision by a manager that hasn't learned his lesson. And, you know, also worth noting that fatigue is cumulative. Like people will be like, well, Saliba didn't get injured. So it's fine. It's no, uh, the reason that all of these world cups and all of these games are having an effect on a lot of players this season is because the cumulative effect over a few seasons impacts players um, and it leads to to injury. It's like, if you've got a player who's ha- had a stress fracture, rest him, rest him. There's there's no reason not to. And I totally agree with you, Johnny. The I'm um, I, I thinking back to Ashley Cole, who was out on loan at Crystal Palace, and then Silvino got into all sorts of bother with his passport. Wenger was going to sell Ashley Cole, one of the best left-backs in Premier League history. He was going to sell him, and then he got his chance, and he took his chance. And you know. Like, couldn't Sosa or Rule Waters or you know like Waneri, like couldn't couldn't they start, like see what they're about? And it also, you know, those those starts, you know, we we've had players that we've got excited about in the past and we're like, we need to see Zedelum, and then Zetherland comes on in an important game. And you're like, Oh, oh no, he ne- he needs to go out online. Um I'm thinking about Miguel's uh, Miguel uh, Aziz. He was a player, and then we Aziz, saw yeah, we were like, he's gonna be the next one. And then he came on the pitch and he didn't work out. Patino was uh, another example, not quite ready. Balogun against Brentford. Sometimes showing people where these players are at in their career is is good for fans because it's like, all right, well, don't 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 get too excited. Take the poster down. That'd be weird. Yeah. Um, but he he blew that opportunity. And if he's not gonna play them in games like that, when is he gonna give them a chance? Like he literally said before the game. I didn't get a chance at Barcelona. I know how it feels to be stuck in the queue. We had an opportunity to unclog that queue and he didn't use it. And it
0: just, it it feels wrong on a lot of levels. It does. It, It felt weird because he half did it. There were a number of key players that got, I mean, apart from the actual piss taking at the end of the game where he's bringing Jesus on, Saka, Martinelli, obviously, you know, they, they didn't put any minutes into their legs. Um, Certainly, Saka. If I'd have seen Saka on, I think I'd have, you know, a vein in my head would have popped. But he, he, there were key players that got very little minutes, if you know, if at all. Um, but yeah, the likes of w- Wuneri, um, you know, any any young defensive options as well. These guys should have. Like, I just do not understand why you would not use this opportunity. It just feels so weird to me. And it's almost like, I don't know whether it's an ego thing on his part. Like, who gives, literally who cares if we lose? There's not very often in a, for a massive club, you know, that are going for major trophies, it's not very often you'll have a game in the middle of the season that literally means nothing. But this is it. And surely you're in a situation where you can take the opportunity that it affords you. But, you know, it just feels like it, that, that's what it is, a missed opportunity. It was a missed opportunity to see some different options and give them a time in a game that, you know, is of a decent level. And and, and then we can learn things.
1: We've got uh, Indy Pete uh, who says, playing devil's advocate, Arteta would argue, it's about creating a winning culture. Again, I, I would point back to, what does he do in the League Cup, you know? doesn't put great teams out in the League Cup. What will he do in the FA Cup this year? Probably won't put a great team out in that. I think it's just like, in and those games are consequences. Like you lose those games and you are out of trophies. So it's a little bit different. But when it's like a free roll of the dice, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going a bit over the top here, but I don't think that, I think that when you're creating a winning culture, you want to bring people in mm-hmm. because a culture is not just 12 or 14 players. You know, we need to expand that out. I think a winning culture is about giving young players a taste of, you know, the high life. Like, yeah, hey, if you work hard, you could be doing this um, every week. And I think a winning culture is about looking over the long term. And I think Arteta is a bit of a short termist when it comes to how he plays. And weirdly, Arsene Wenger's biggest problem, you know, I think it was like it was before Shad Forsyth came to Arsenal, and Wenger would be like, uh, you know, we'd get all of we get a crash of injuries. Around November, December, then the players would get fit, and then they go for top four in March. And Wenger would blame hair pills. He would blame luck. He wouldn't blame the fact that he overtrained his players and he picked the same team every week until somebody broke. And um, Mikel Arteta was part of that Arsene Wenger period of time. And it feels like if if he took anything from Arsene Wenger, it was that you play your best team every time. And and if he wants to get to the level of, level of Pep. I think that he has to address that because Pep rotates um, more often. And I don't buy the, boy well, he's got a much bigger squad. We've invested a lot of money in our squad now. I don't think we can be shying away from where we are squad-wise. You know, we're a title contender. and um, We have enough depth in most positions. We should use that depth. Otherwise, what was the point in bringing it in?
0: Yeah. And, and you know, and finally, there are some points, you know, uh, the comments, but this is what I was thinking. Um if we had, like, say we were blood in five or six youngsters in the team, if you, alongside those youngsters, kept, like, a, a stable core, I could understand that argument because it might be detrimental to a team of youngsters to take a, you know, a 5 6 nil wallop in and then, you know, maybe their heads go down and maybe you want to just keep it competitive because it will keep them feeling confident. But I would understand that argument. But we didn't play a team of youngsters. You know, Reese Nelson should not need his hand held at this stage. Eddie and Ketia, these are guys that are, you know, they want to be involved in the squad. It's not like we had Munari and people like that. It's Moel Nenny. These are these are tried and tested professionals. So, you know, these people should not need their hand held by William Saliba and Gabriel. Stick some random on there, like, you know, it's not like again, it's not like we've padded it with all seventeen-year-olds. Just get, if you're gonna if you're gonna play the likes of Cedric and that, then make sure that none of our first teamers are uh, you know getting heavy minutes at whatsoever.
1: And I don't mind losing three 0 when it's seventeen year olds yeah, trying yeah, their yeah. best in their first game. That I don't mind it. Not, All not right, a problem. You did mention him. We're gonna go right into it. Moel Nenny, the most lethal man from thirty seven yards on the team, uh, came back into the side thought he had a, a really decent game. He hit a wicked shot that hit the outside of the post. We know that he works on those in training. Um, I do love the man. I've got to admit it. I love Mo and I don't want to hear any slander about him. I hear he's a incredible guy. I think he's taking his coaching badges at the moment. Um, he's just happy to be at Arsenal. He's a fan. He's a fan in an Arsenal shirt with uh, with you know good technical skill set. He can do a job in a game like that. Um, but the, the, the injury gods came for him, Johnny. Uh, they, their, their lightning bolt struck the pitch and it hit him. Um, it wasn't Saliba. Has Moel Elneny taken a spiritual um, strike for the team here? Um, what did you make of his performance and uh,
0: what did you make of the injury? Yeah, it's just so unlucky, isn't it? Because when you've got a player like that who is just such a, you know, I don't think they actually do it at this level of football, but, you know, the kinds of level of football that we play at, you will often get at the end of the year a Clubman of the Year award, which literally is a most de- dedicated person <laughs> to the team. The person who turns up a training every week, you know, collects the subs in, takes the nets down. Go on, mate, we'll give you Clubman of the Year. That is what Mo Elneny should be getting. He's a top bloke. I really like him. I'm done calling for Elneny to leave the club. Not, not that I ever was heavily, but in general, I'm, I've not necessarily thought he was good enough to take us to the next level. He's not. But in and around the club, you always need people who are dedicated, who are willing to do, you know, the nasty shifts every now and then, playing in games that no one really wants to play, but they're just always going to be there. And for that, I just love El Nene. He, he, he never rocks the boat. He's a good character. I certainly think he's quite consistent. He's not up to the level that, again, would have him pushing for a first team, but he can certainly come in and perform ably for short periods. But that's why it's so, you know frustrating when you've got a player who doesn't get much game time that they get bitten by the injury bug but it's also somewhat to be expected if you've got a player who again who's not played much suddenly he starts exerting himself and uh he's you know had a, had a muscle injury it's frustrating but hopefully he comes back soon because you will need players like Elnenes throughout a season if you're going to be successful
1: yeah and I think that the the injury is just part of the return to fitness. You have to, you know, the, when you've had a serious injury, it takes a while to get the body back up to speed. And then when you get put in a, like a hardcore professional environment, like a champions league game, things tend to tweak. Hopefully it's not that serious. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you. You need, you need people like that in and around the training ground. We've got enough number sixes now where we shouldn't need him um I actually probably don't have enough number sixes. Thomas Barty's never available. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought he had a good, I thought he had a good performance out there um today. And I suspect that this will probably be his last contract at Arsenal. I think we need to upgrade with um with a younger player. and um, maybe Patino comes back and and he's that guy moving forward. I do think it is worth noting though, we we don't have a lot of experienced heads and you don't have to be you don't have to be uh, like a, a title-winning person to be experienced. Just having people that are a little bit older in the camp help the young professionals. You know, when they're buying a house, managing their money, all of those little bits. Like I think the a dressing room without those older heads to to to, to guide young players it isn't a strong dressing room. So I wonder if we do replace him with Paulina, uh, um at Fulham. I wonder whether we do sort of like break the mold. Because we're going to sign, because we need a bit of experience in in that midfield. But how, what did you think about that, Johnny? We could potentially lose Thomas Party uh, this this window as well. Another thirty year old. Look,
0: uh, I we we've not really talked heavily on the Thomas Party thing because he's ultimately ultimately not been a factor. He hasn't been on the on the field, so we've you know kind of out of sight, out of mind. But I think, I think that story's just come to an end now. I think we should just wash our hands of him. I really do. It's not that he's not a good player, but if for whatever reason we can't rely on him for as long as we have this year, it's just not worth having him. We might as well use those resources for another player who can step in and, you know, affect what's going on on the pitch. But um, yeah, if it, you know, there's talk that January might provide an opportunity for him to... Get a move, maybe to the Middle East or whatever. Right now, I'd bite the hands off. I really would, but I'd, I'd really need to see that reinvested in the team. We are not going to get over the line, I don't think, if we don't address something. you i got
1: not be a Premier League player as well, right, Johnny? Like you can't, you can't sign a player that's going to take seven months to bed in. Villa aren't going to sell Douglas Luiz. I'd, I'd be surprised if Fulham are going to sell, wouldn't you?
0: Maybe right. you might get you might get them out. You might get them out. Yeah. yeah. But every every bit of it is gonna be, you know, a fair bit of money. It you, you say it's got to be a Premier League. I would take a German league or something like that. Like i I what I wouldn't have is, you know, just necessarily going to League Un right now, rolling that little roulette roulette wheel. Yeah. Don't know whether you're getting Eden Hazard or Javinio. <laughs> so, um, you know, but yeah, I I, I just feel like if we, our squad is not built to be uh, to accommodate a major absence for a prolonged period, it, it to a certain extent, un, in an unexplained fashion. So, I, I, I really would, if they're going to get rid, just get rid now because we are going to need support.
1: All right, let's move on to another topic Reese Lightning or Frightening, Johnny. Um, there was a lot of debate on this very show. About whether he should get a new deal, he got the new deal. He hasn't played very much. He got his opportunity tonight. What did you make of the
0: performance? Should we be seeing more of Reese or less? Do you know what I? I actually think um, it was the brightest um, spot from the whole from the whole game. I thought Reese looked really decent. Really did. I liked his poise on the ball. He was aggressive with his running, um, and it. It kind of, you know, the biggest compliment I guess I could give him is that it was reminiscent of Saka's influence on the on the field. Um, it's obviously not to the same level, but it felt like, you know, in that in that um, you know, particular game, our arguably our best player was right wing. And that's what it's like when Saka's playing there. You know, you feel like it's a real threat there, and it felt like there was a real threat. I like the way he linked up with Eddie, um, you know, for the goal as well. It's, it, it, it was nice, and I like the fact that, you know, I I do feel like we should see, Reese a little more often. If I'm honest, I don't think there's a wild, you know, drop off from Zachary, Like, You know, it's a complete um, chasm. I think Reese is a decent player, and he's showing it the more opportunities he gets. Yeah, I thought he was good tonight. Um, nice to see him get an assist.
1: Um, I, I guess Matt Scott thinks that he would walk into 90% of Premier League starting 11s. Not not sure about that, Matt. I th- I think he's a, an adequate backup. I think the reality is if we want to see Saka getting rotated more, we need a world-class backup. And I, I don't think we've got that. I've been pondering whether Reese Nelson is going to be the new Moel Nenni. You know, good for squad, good for the squad, loves Arsenal, loves being a Londoner, hey Linder, you know, be good for the young players coming through. Because I just don't see him getting um, a, a lot of minutes out there. But I thought he put in a, a, a good performance. I like his pace. Um, I'd like to see him be more involved in the Premier League so he takes the burden off Saka. But, you know, there's no point in giving him games if he doesn't have output off the back of it. So we'll see how that one pans out. Let's get back into this one, Johnny. Eddie Kruger. After a big miss, which we lambasted and said it wasn't good enough, Eddie stepped up, picked up the pass from Reese Nelson, tidy little finish into the bottom corner, low across the goalkeeper. Um, What did you make of Eddie's overall impact today?
0: Um, I think he had a good game, is, is what I. Right. So this is where I am with Eddie, right? The problem is he cannot prove himself to me. In a game like this, because my question marks about Eddie are not whether he can get himself a goal at PSV away when we're already through top of the group. It it was a very very good finish. That is what I want to do. Let's 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 be clear on that. That is a top finish. That is a you know at the end of the day, dead rubber or not, it's European football. It's the Champions League, and it was a very good finish. It was Champions League level. That is what Eddie can show. But my questions come about Eddie when he starts for a prolonged period, some big games in there, and suddenly that initial burst of form he might have just dissipates and and he looks like he becomes easy to manage in big games against big sides. Is he clinical enough when you are only getting that one chance in a game? You know, I, I've not, I would need to see it. Certainly at this stage, I would need to see it. So scoring that goal today doesn't, you know, go anywhere to answer that question, which is more pressing from my side. But it just never hurts your case when you turn up, you play a big game and you finish in spectacular fashion. And that was a a top, top level strike, striking finish. So, you know, again, well done to Eddie. Great game today. Um, I'm not sure it, you know, changes the narrative on him though.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think we're. I think we're still going to need uh, another forward at some point that gives us um, uh, some additional options. I'm looking at his stats online at the moment, and it says he's only got six goals this season. I thought he was. Uh, I thought he had more than that. But um, I've got. I got. I got six goals and three assists. That's not right, is it, Johnny?
0: Um, uh, no,
1: probably. Is it probably? Is it right? Okay, he cool. got.
0: He got a, a hat trick against Sheffield United, so that that's free right there. Um. But I mean, how many more did he get? Really? Is I it six is. in the league? You mean? Uh, it's six. Uh, it's five in the league, um, and one in the Champions League. Yeah. Well, that. that I, I right? Yeah, yeah. That, I would say so. I mean, he's not started all the games, has he? But yeah,
1: yeah it's true. Uh, well, still, not not a bad return so far this season. I'd love to see him get into double figures for for goals, and he's not doing bad. It's December the twelfth. Still, plenty of games to play. Um, but yeah, I love the finish, and I, I, I think that that's where his levels at at the moment coming in for uh, jesus giving him some some time off i think sometimes he's good um coming in from wide i think if he can up his finishing rate and show a little bit more personality in certain games i think he'll be doing well for us but as a backup striker it works for me i mean think richarlison only just scored his first goal with his foot and he was a 60 million pound striker for spurs so um i'm happy with that all right um I don't know whether like, I was going to go to our final topic, the late subs. It was a horror show of substitutes. We, we brought on all the big names. Um, do you think we needed to do that, Johnny? Or do you think that Arteta was thinking, well,
0: I brought them out here. I might as well roll them out. Yeah, but this, you know, again, and I know we've talked about this a little bit at the start, but do you know Do you know one of the names that really frustrates me out of this? Emile Smith-Rowe. Now, granted, I don't know the ins and outs of his fitness. But ultimately, if you're on the bench, you you should be able to play the game. Like I don't, uh, I don't think he's just there for for a big day out at this stage. And you're coming on with like five minutes to go, and there's players on there putting in big minutes who, like Kai Harvert, who there's a good chance he's starting against Brighton. Why is he doing that? Why are you playing the whole game? Get Emil Smith Rose some solid minutes in his legs. At the very least, we need to know whether we can rely on him to get through games. You know, we can't. You, you can't just coddle him with his back fit. He, he's going to have to start playing. And you look at the subs. He comes on that late, but then Gary Jays is stand alongside him, and you're thinking, why are you doing that? It doesn't really matter if Eddie plays the whole game. I mean, obviously, he, you know, he'd been challenged and it looked like injured. But we don't. You don't even need to put a striker on. Put someone else on. Put Moneri up front or Kai Harvitz and you know whatever, or, or Smith Rowe, whatever, whatever way you want to play it. But yeah, it just felt like it was a you know, I, I I can't say I just I just don't think Arteta cares about this stuff. I really don't care think he cares. But he will care when there's a whole host of injuries and he's saying, Oh, I can't pick for my team. But I do think you have to manage your squad in those in those moments.
1: Yeah, sometimes in moments like that you wonder if he needs uh stronger people around him. That's what that's what I wonder. But but I also think that Arteta doesn't like that. He's not that type of, you know. I think certain certain managers like to have a team around them that's going to sort of guide them. Pep Guardiola seems like that sort of guy. Hires the best people in the business. Seems to listen. You know, we, we 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 watched him for what two three seasons with Arteta sitting next to him, like yabbering in his ear. I get the impression that Arteta is king. He's the god. He's the go to man. His decision is final. A little bit like Arsene Wenger. You know, Arsene Wenger never refreshed his backroom staff because he never wanted to listen to his backroom staff. And I do worry that Mikel might be a little bit uh, like that because I think if he had a more experienced head or a stronger voice in the room, he wouldn't have made some of those decisions today. And I definitely don't think he would have been bringing in these big names for the last 20 minutes in a game that was pretty rubbish, to be perfectly honest. But there we are, Johnny. We've got Brighton coming up next. Um, I'm going to the Brighton game, Johnny.
0: It, oh, so, I mean, I um very much am envious. It would be good. The atmosphere is going to be great. Now I'm sure you'll be adding to it. I will not be even able to probably watch all of the game because I'm at a Christmas function. So, um, Wait, is it uh, a f- for you or is it a stand up? No, as in um, my my uh, my wife's family. We do it a week earlier for her, and then yeah. we do my family on the day kind of thing so we're into listen, that season it's Christmas festivities yeah I might be having a roast on the on the weekend and I'm very excited about it
1: you're gonna try and camouflage in uh a little airpod so you can listen to the game
0: it's been, to it's been known to happen and I, I think we, we, we might try and find a solution but um yeah it's one of those you know husband, father, duties, where you just strap in. And if you can nick any football-watching game time out of it, then you've done well. Lovely. All right. Well, I
1: will be on a plane on Friday, heading back to the UK. Cannot wait to get into London. Um, I hear that it's pretty cold, so I'll be wrapping up warm, no doubt. Um, We will be back with some form of before the whistle. We'll be doing a makeup because we didn't do a before the whistle before this game. I mean, it was such a... (laughs) Such a nothing game. It didn't really feel like it merited uh, forty-five <laughs> yeah. minutes of intense chat. So we'll 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 get the the Patreon listeners a, a make up on that one. Um, but Johnny, unless you've got anything else to say, no, all good magic. We'll say ciao for now. Thank you for listening. Remember, leave that five star review.
0: Podcast Network.